1: You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
2: This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Joe Markinchuk of Manorville, New York. Joe will receive a marathon decal showing he watched 26.2 hours of his favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at Podcast.com.
3: I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Maureen McMurray. And these are their stories.
1: You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Lie in order, lie in order, lie in order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Lie in order, lie in order, lie in order, lie in order. These are their stories, these are their stories.
3: Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today, we're looking at SVU Season 16, Episode 22, Parents' Nightmare.
1: But you're wasting your time. You should be out there looking for my son. I know what you're thinking. What am I thinking? Please, you look at me and you see an Arab man trying to steal his son. But I'm not even Arab. I'm Iranian. A loyal American, not a terrorist. Joining me
3: to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca.
4: Hello, Kevin. How are you?
3: I'm good. You're not going to have some pithy comment from the episode we haven't like talked things about yet? I
4: just the way they are, Kevin.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, we won't <laughs> change anything. Rounding out <laughs> our panel is our special guest, the boss lady behind the podcast Outside In and Civics 101 from New Hampshire Public Radio, Maureen McMurray. Hello.
2: Hello, Kevin and Rebecca.
3: Rebecca has been saying for a long time that I need to have you on this this podcast.
4: No, Maureen has been saying for a long time that she wants to be on this podcast. <laughs> oh, all
3: right. Well, I finally ran out of people to ask.
2: <laughs> I know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, uh, and my my, uh, my daughter didn't want to do it. So I finally said, all right, Maureen, welcome to the show.
2: I think it took me texting Rebecca and saying, who do I have to blow around here to get on these for their stories? <laughs>
3: well, that sounds like an SVU episode right there, doesn't it? What is your relationship like with Law & Order? Well, I,
2: I, you know, and even though I've been badgering Rebecca about getting on the show, I had this sense that, like, oh, yeah, I watch it all the time. But in reality, I think I have... A memory of watching Law and Order with my family and with my parents, Mm -hmm. and watching it late night drunk when I lived in New York. Some very familiar (laughs) with like Orbach and all that, but in some, and SVU, like the rip from the headline stuff. Yeah. But I don't think it's as integral to my life as it is to uh, your life (laughs) internal, Becca's. And (laughs) I immediately regretted it. I was like, maybe I shouldn't have sent that text. No, No. it's fine. It's
3: fine. (laughs) No, it's not like being on uh, NFL Tonight or something and having to know all the stats.
4: We've literally had people on this podcast who the first episode they saw was the one that we made them watch to be on this
2: podcast. It's okay. I lived in New York for 13 years. Oh, good. Does that count? Totally.
3: So you walk by all the places the hookers have been killed.
2: (laughs) Yes. Oh, and I I saw Mariska in the street once. What? It was so exciting. She's very beautiful. Hmm.
3: Oh, I don't doubt that. Over in the meatpacking district. (laughs) (laughs) So now in October, NHPR has a new podcast coming out that I'm sure you want to tell people about.
2: Yes, it is a podcast called Bear Brook. It's a six-part series about a cold case in New Hampshire that is changing the way that murders will be investigated forever. Um, Rebecca, your lovely wife, had a big part in putting it together. It's reported by um, one of our reporters, Jason Moon. And basically what you need to know about it is that whole uh, Golden State Killer thing. You know how they tracked him down using Mm -hmm. that, you know, the DNA and the Ancestry websites. This case that we're covering in our podcast was the first one to use that method.
3: Wow, that sounds really interesting. Do you have any good guests?
2: (laughs) Are you talking about yourself? Because you're on the podcast. Oh yes, yes, yes. And oh, that's right. That's right.
3: Every time we talk about it, I I get cut down a little smaller, a little smaller. I'm like, your your
2: part's like 30 seconds now. All
3: right, it's
2: fine. (laughs) You might be a bonus episode, but yes, Kevin is in the podcast. (laughs) You're in the inaugural. You're in the first episode. Wait, no, are you in the second episode? I think it's in episode two. Episode two, but it's really good. It's going to be six parts. Hold on to your hats. It's coming out October 3rd. Subscribe, subscribe.
3: All right. Now, of all the franchises, Maureen, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order
1: detective
2: team. Well, I love Benson and Finn. I mean, Ice T and Mariska. Nice. Yeah. That's,
3: they're both great. It's kind of an unusual pairing, like. But you know, they're it's actually
2: a, paired
4: now because, like, he's her number two now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: but it's fun to see them together working. A, Especially in a their
4: all-black clothes, and the only thing like d- d- like distinguishes them is his gold chain. Otherwise, they pretty much dress
2: identically.
3: Why wouldn't she also have a gold chain? I don't get <laughs> that. I mean, not the same kind, but.
2: And I liked. Um, oh my God, what's his name? I'm I'm forgetting, his name. The guy. Who was a detective who worked with Ice-T, who Munch, like, Munch. was a comedian. Yeah, Munch.
3: Richard Belzer. Yes, 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 Munch, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah he's always kind of paranoid and weird.
2: Yep. Yes. But they were a good team.
3: They were. They got a lot done. Yeah. They had a good clearance rate.
2: <laughs> good foils. <laughs> good stats.
3: Who was your favorite prosecutorial team?
1: Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial
2: team.
3: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I told you that I...
2: <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. How about
3: you just go with Barba? Barba. <laughs> Perfect. Boom, boom. All right, now let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 16, Episode 22, Parents' Nightmare. We see a scattered brain divorce mom send little Owen to school with a neighbor. The kid is precocious and talkative, and he even makes friends with the neighborhood homeless crazy guy. <laughs> So we all know he's a fucking pain in the
2: ass. (laughs) Too trusting.
3: Speaking of annoying kids, we see Sergeant Benson drop baby Noah off at daycare for the first time. Mm. And at work, Tucker tells her the brass wants a lieutenant in charge of SVU and urges her to take the lieutenant's exam to stay on. Meanwhile, after school, Owen says to the suspiciously dressed man, you say, you know, my dad. Okay, I'll go with you. (laughs) That's when he gets shoved into a van. And the viewers are kind of torn if we want to actually see him come back or not.
2: That's <laughs> security footage. We also pulled all the
1: traffic cams in the area. You only so far no witnesses.
0: Okay, check other surveillance. See if we can get the kidnapper walking away. Finn, get a sketch artist for Mrs. Duke and Nick. In the meantime, go to the restaurant, speak with Mr. Farhidi. There are passport issues, custody issues, the works.
3: And Mrs. Farhidi. Take
0: her to the precinct.
3: We learned that the divorce was pretty tough. His father, Sam, says Owen is too trusting and hopes that he will be returned soon. His mother, Dana, says money has been tight since the breakup. She recognizes the kidnapper as Javier, the nanny's boyfriend. Mom misses the first ransom call because she lost her phone. Now she's getting a FaceTime call showing the boy tied to a basement post.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have a FaceTime. (laughs) We need to talk about this.
3: Javier demands that the father brings $37,000 to the drop site. The detectives wire him up for the exchange, but the microphone goes dead. Sam comes out with his son unharmed, and Amaro and Carisi chase the kidnapper through a man-sized brick cutout in a basement wall. When they catch Javier in the alley, he says that Dana paid him to kidnap her son. Uh, okay, so we open with Olivia dropping Noah off at daycare. And so I guess this is the writer's way of saying, okay, I guess we're going to do this. <laughs> we're going to keep him on. This is going to be the storyline. I will
4: say, though, baby Noah in this scene, like, act the hell out of this scene.
2: Hey, say bye-bye, Mom. Have fun. Bye. No, no. It's okay. It's okay. Mom, Shh the whole
4: arm stretching
2: well, and the crying th- I don't know if that's acting that's what, I was concerned that those looked like real tears that they did oh, something yeah. there was some
4: like his mom standing right off set like holding out her arms to him being like no you can't come to
2: me
3: you think Dick Wolf pinched him or something
2: <laughs> I don't know but I actually wrote that down in my notes I was like "That I, I don't know that always seems like abusive to child yeah. actors yeah. yeah you know they were psyched too to get that performance out of him too they
3: were like <laughs> one take where'd it go Noah maybe we should expand this role then when olivia gets back to work tucker is there and kind of is pushing her along to say you know
1: they're open to the prospect of you staying on that's why i told them you already filed for the lieutenant's exam i haven't then do it
0: don't make a liar out of me i'm quite happy with the way things are thank you why
4: did
2: she say no to this I don't know.
4: She's already sitting in her office. Like, what is going to? She's like, I like things the way they're. I'm like, what? Being paid less? You like things that way because you're already doing the job. Just lean in. I didn't understand it either.
3: (laughs) Yes, she's such a powerful female character that she'd be like, "No, I guess we'll let somebody else do this."
4: No, she didn't say that. Like, she wanted to still be in charge, but she didn't want the added.
3: Oh, she wanted Money? to play by her rules. I get it. She's entitled.
4: <laughs> entitled to less pay yes. and fewer benefits.
2: <laughs> I think it's just being a woman.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's uh, pivot to little Owen. Uh, how annoying is this kid? Scale of one to ten.
2: Um, eight point five. Mm, yeah, <laughs> pretty close.
3: I'd say yeah.
4: He's so annoying that when you see the playground scene and it's his school, is like totally fucking chaos, by the way. None of yeah. these adults are actually doing their jobs. These kids are just running rampant. Also, why I moved out of New York when <laughs> I decided <just laughs> to have a child. <laughs> like, you, you don't blame that, like, playground monitor at all, because I'm like, would you want to have to interact with this stupid kid, Owen? I wouldn't. I would send him off with a stranger in a heartbeat. Owen!
1: Your mother telling me to pick you up?
2: Oh, okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> hey, the home's this way. Hey, uh, we're gonna stop first, huh? a surprise. Oh,
3: okay. And think about this. Olivia's going through all this trouble to adopt baby No, when apparently she could just sign one out of any playground in New York.
2: <laughs> just Or at the beginning, there's like the scene where the kind of the mom who just seems like she's totally frazzled is coming out and I'm going to walk you to school and she's in her pajamas and then she sees a, a dad. who's a handsome also, dad. And she's like, yeah, well, you take my kid too and he runs on the street and almost gets hit by the cab. Yeah, it was like all these red herrings along the way. And,
3: and didn't notice. By a car. she didn't notice. She just a nose. Well, they are laying the work that mom is a scatterbrain, and that's supposed to be you important think? to this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can't find my phone. Okay, do you remember where you were the last time you used it? I mean, it must have
2: been before yoga. I get so spaced out after work Sometimes I just leave it there.
1: Did your son have a passport?
4: Yes, the judge ordered Sam to hand it over to me. Good, so you have it. Well, Sam kind of handles all the logistical stuff. I'm, I'm not really sure where it is. I'm not even sure that he gave it to me. Hold on, you're not sure? I'm not sure of anything
2: right now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was too close to home is for me. Is laying
4: the groundwork the same as dropping an anvil out of the sky? Because that's pretty much what they do. And by the way, she is not appreciably different than I am as a mother. So I was, except for I don't do the yoga part. But like I was really, it <laughs> felt very close to home to me. Yeah. Losing things, not knowing when shit's supposed to happen. Like, I get it. I was very triggered.
3: <laughs> you were?
4: <laughs> I was. I was. <laughs>
3: You're thinking, what am I going to do when next time I drop the kid off at, uh, at daycare? Well,
4: can we just talk about the daycare thing for a second? Yeah. This was a long work day, right? Mm-hmm. We know it was because we saw Finn go through like three changes of clothes. <laughs> but Olivia was wearing the same clothes the whole time. So we know it was a long work day. Was anybody besides me super worried she was going to be late for pickup on the first day? Like mm-hmm. I was super worried about it. I'm like, so much tension. Is it five? Oh. Is it a minute after? Is it? You know you're going to get charged 10 minutes a minute for like $10 a minute for those uh, minutes. Right, Livy? I didn't even think of it. Yeah, I was scared the whole time. It was like an undercurrent of tension for me.
1: <laughs> you
3: just, it's pretty Hitchcockian, I yeah, guess, it was, right? It it was, you know, know, it was
4: it was basically like
2: daycare flashbacks is what it was. <laughs> it's probably $50 a minute in New York. It's <laughs> hella expensive for daycare. That's yeah. all I was thinking about the whole time. I was like, that apartment would cost this much. There's no way that their apartment <laughs> would be that big. Daycare is so expensive. What are you doing for a job? I wanted to know everything. Yeah.
3: Yeah. How about this? Uh, her secret passcode for the phone is
2: o w e n Owen,
4: Owen. <laughs> instead of just saying my passcode is Owen just as my passcode is <laughs> o w e n I know a
3: lot of people do this like their password is you know their dog or their kid or their birthday or something like that and that doesn't make them scatterbrained yeah uh, but they are trying to, I think again wink like, damn, this stupid mom. Like, this is the only passcode she could come that's up right, with.
4: That's right, that's I, right. I did love the scene, though. Of, I don't know about you, uh, Maureen, as a former New Yorker when Carisi interrupted the obnoxious yoga class. You actually can't go in there right now because they're
1: already in Adho Mukha so downward-facing dog. They need to be listening to their bodies. Oh, okay, well, I'll be very quiet. Uh, unless you have a warrant, I can't let you disturb the class. Yeah. Kind of hard to hear your body over that, right?
2: Excuse me. It was so fantastic <laughs> when they're like, you need a warrant to interrupt this class. We're in the middle
1: of Downward
3: Dog.
2: And then he was like, "I'll," because he was looking for the phone. Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, we have a Hey, It's That Girl.
2: Hey, it's that girl.
4: We do?
3: We do. All right. Can you recognize the mom, Dana?
4: No. No, her I did not recognize, although I suspected I'd seen her on other SVUs or (laughs) Law and
3: Orders. (laughs) Oh, look, Owen, it's Bennett.
4: Hi, Bennett. Hey, Roy. Would you mind taking Owen with you? I'm not exactly camera ready.
3: Uh, That actress is Brooke Bloom. Hmm. She was the star of the movie She's Lost Control. She plays a sexual surrogate who can't control her feelings. Of course she can't. (laughs) Uh, How about the dad? The dad is also a hey, it's that guy.
4: Well, I, I don't know his actor's name. How
3: about I give you his name? Wait,
4: can I just say how I know him first? He's Abu Nazir, the, the guy, the the terrorist from Homeland. Right. That's... <laughs> oh, my God, think you, <laughs> right! And he's also a terrorist in basically everything he's ever in, which is terrible, but this is the only time I've ever seen him where he's not played a terrorist. That's
1: Naveed Negabon. Now imagine, a white female judge and a Middle Eastern man. Then I made the judge to say that Owen cannot come to Iran with me.
3: So he is an Iranian actor, and his IMDb page, of course, is filled with, as you say, a lot of terrorist roles. Uh, I guess... You know that's sort of the the sad fact of Hollywood that that seems to be the the what the casting call is right. for people of a certain ethnicity. Now, here his ethnicity is part of the character. Yes, but and he owns an, defines... an Iranian restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it isn't what <laughs> defines him, right. As a character, that they, that that is part of you know who he is to sort of get him in the show. But it isn't you know there isn't like a whole lot of overt oh well we think he might be a terrorist. Yes, there and... is. There
2: is. I feel like that whole first section you're led to believe that he's.
4: Not without
3: my daughtering this yeah, kid, Yeah, that's right?
2: exactly what I thought yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, they
4: even mentioned that. Like, he has a Iranian passport, and he's going to take yes. him overseas. They say that. What they, if he they... was
3: French? I mean, wouldn't the, they mm. throw the same thing? Well,
4: there was that episode with the French woman and the dead kid. That I'm we, just you know, saying. <laughs> that where she kind of pulled the same thing. But they definitely pulled that, like, not without my daughter bullshit on this poor guy in this episode. And he was so good in this episode. All of the non-SVU people crushed it in this episode.
3: Including the baby. <laughs> Does anybody recognize Clyde, the homeless guy? <laughs> no. You know, take that's a guess. It's a deep cut. It is a deep cut. That's, <laughs> that's Reggie Alvin Green.
1: Hey, Clyde. Owen, going- oh, my man, make sure you learn something in school today.
3: So, Reggie has played a homeless man in the blacklist, a homeless man in Atlanta. <laughs> A homeless man in How to Make It in America. Oh. A guy pushing a shopping cart in Are We There Yet? Oh. And a Shoe Shine guy in Red Oaks.
4: <laughs> oh, oh my Christ. Lord. It's the worst, uh it's worse than Abu Nazir's IMDB page.
3: Well, I think they like really just wanted an A list homeless guy for this episode. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my god.
3: You think casting agents have him on speed dial we need <laughs> We he's, need he's some under street H life.
4: in the Rolodex <laughs> for under homeless. <laughs>
3: So the ransom is a very specific number, thirty-seven thousand dollars. Yes. What does that mean to you?
4: It means that Javier was really wanting the six-cylinder Subaru Outback. Is what it means. It's
3: exactly the. It's 30- exactly thirty-seven thousand dollars. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he didn't want the four-cylinder. He didn't need the eyesight and like all of the self-driving stuff. He just wanted the six-cylinder, real bad. Thirty-seven thousand dollars.
3: Yeah, to replace that really nasty black van that he had.
4: Oh, and it had like um it was all graffitied, graffitied up. Yeah. yeah, he had a kidnapping van like ready to go. I think that's why they hired him.
3: I think yes, yeah, who has a van? And it was like, "Oh, <laughs> Javier does." Who has Perfect. a van that
2: doesn't unlock from the inside? <laughs> <laughs> it was very specific. Yeah, I thought for sure. I was like, "Well, they need it." To either put a you know down payment on something or to pay someone off, I didn't quite know what was going on. It reminded me a little bit of
4: like the Jean Bonnet Ramsey ransom note that was like for that super specific amount mm-hmm. people made people suspect the parents, right?
3: Well, I think that's probably. We'll get to why they oh. picked that number.
4: Oh, did I just make a
2: guess? <gasps> well, I never know. Why not just round up? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Ask, skim off the top. Ask for an extra three yeah. grand.
3: <laughs> just yeah, have a little something for yourself. <laughs> But the the van, I mean, I think you're right. I think it is probably a barrier to entry in the kidnapping profession, right? If you don't have a good uh, stash-em vehicle. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. You definitely need something with, uh, you know, a little tiny moon-shaped window in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Soundproof. Soundproof. Something you can easily throw a kid into and then slam the
2: door. You know, I mean, the graffiti, though, just seems like you're asking for trouble a little bit, that you're going to get pulled over for something. There's like a
4: fine line. How does Javier have a car when he has to sleep in that flop house? with like 800 other dudes
3: that's a great question where does he park that van and if he had a van why isn't he just sleeping in the van exactly there's a lot that needs to be explained about so many questions so, um like where's the fbi
4: exactly how is this an svu case isn't the f i mean i'm not 100 percent sure about all the procedures around law enforcement but i do watch enough tv to know the fbi is in charge of kidnappings right isn't that what you thought yeah i think i feel like it
2: seems to rise to that level it seems like a <laughs> Bigger deal than the SVU. I
3: think they'd want to hand it off to somebody. I mean, they're so busy, just the four of them. (laughs) So Javier has been holding Owen uh, for about just a couple of hours. And then when the police move in... Apparently he's already removed the bricks from the basement wall next door so he can escape like the fucking Riddler.
4: <laughs> yes. And it was a good thing that, you know, Carisi threw that three-dimensional map up on the PowerPoint screen and spun it around with his hands.
3: He's basically doing Google Earth <laughs> in the SVU <laughs> office there. And it's like, hey. And I don't know why. Why did they have to explain? It's like, well, he's got a back alley, so.
4: Yeah. Well, they knew about the alley in advance. Which explains why later, Nobody was covering. Amaro it. says, "Meet me in the alley." The alley. <laughs> Wasn't the whole point of looking up the alleys that someone would be in the alley?
3: You would think if everybody's going to the front door, they would have had one guy in the back door. <laughs> You'd
2: think. You, you know, would it's think. It's all
3: those people standing around.
2: Instead of like, yeah, let's go there now. Yes. And it's just like, <laughs> we saw you at the big map earlier. It's an
4: enormous screen. One funny thing about Sam in that recovery scene is, mm. you know, he's walking down the street furtively to go, he's wearing a wire with a bag of money to go rescue his son from a kidnapper. And he's smoking a cigarette. He's oh, smoking a
3: cigarette, <laughs> being cool, throws it away on the, on the, on the sidewalk.
4: Like he's so fucking cool, and he's like, you know, this would be a really good time for a smoke. I'm walking. I'm outside. I'm not in my restaurant, which the state has probably made be smoke free. Yeah,
3: you know, he should know. He doesn't really have to try that hard. Everybody, including the kidnapper, is faking it. <laughs> All the people on the street are actually cops. The kidnapper, he already knows. It's like, he's like, why does he have to act that hard?
4: You're spoiling part two, Kevin.
3: Oh, I'll take that back. <laughs> uh, so, Rebecca, you can rejoice. This is the second to last Amarisode yes. ever created.
4: Otherwise known as the period in Amaro's stint on SVU, where he's actually a good cop that you like.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I, I wish we could have yes. some more Amaro, and Why then he goes. Why can't we
4: have the Spanish-speaking, smart, non-sexist, totally logical cop the rest of his tenure, then we wouldn't have been so anxious for him to leave.
3: Well, he kind of uh, tipped his cards to Sam, it was, the bad divorce. <laughs> been there.
4: Yeah, that was a little bit of sexist bullshit. Men commiserating over their terrible ex-wives. Ugh. Yeah,
3: well, apparently in Amaro's case, it helped him out. He, he was able to get out of that horrible relationship where he was just an asshole to her the whole time.
4: Exactly. And so
3: now he could stop being an
0: asshole. If
4: I wasn't so controlling, which she made me be,
3: I could be a better cop.
0: Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24/7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.
3: Now let's look at the second half of this episode. Where did the kidnapper come up with that $37,000 figure for the ransom? It was the amount Dana accused Sam of hiding during the divorce.
1: <gasps> she told me $37,000. mister Sam will pay. I do nothing wrong. No. You took a kid... He demanded money from his parents. That's kidnapping, Javier. Mr. Rojas was hired by Mrs.
0: Farhidi to pick Owen up, drive him around for a while, then call her. This was an activity sanctioned by the mother.
3: SVU confronts her with text messages to Javier, but she swears that she didn't send them. Owen says Dad sometimes comes over and goes through Mom's phone when she loses it. Because she just knows that a mother would never do that to her child. Liv goes back... And leans on Javier. He now admits that Sam paid him to kidnap Owen and blame it on Dana. Not knowing who the hell to believe, they wire up Dana to confront her ex-husband. Sam says the cops never would have gotten involved if she hadn't lost her phone for the millionth fucking time. Mm. And just answered the first ransom call. He blurts out that he paid Javier to take Owen for a half an hour just to teach him a lesson about not being so goddamn trusting of everyone. And teach mom a lesson about not being such a
2: ditz. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> so there is a lot of mom shaming in you this think? episode. You think? Yeah.
2: There's so much. And I, for me, I always lose my phone. I am the one like Danny. My husband does all of the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Apparently Mr. Well, Sam. That's why
3: he's going to take your, your child away <laughs> because you can't find your phone.
2: Does all of the paperwork. So, yeah, that definitely hit close to home. And I guess and my other question I had throughout this entire thing was like, like, she's not working. she was, <laughs> So she lost her phone at yoga. Owen was in daycare. She's getting child support. Because he says he has to, like,
4: but he has to meet it out slowly. He can't give it to her in one lump sum. He has to pay the bills, and he has to give her a little bit of money at a time. Otherwise, she will spend it all at once. But he has, like, a struggling restaurant. His but... restaurant is always empty.
2: There's never anybody there. <laughs> I just found it very confusing. And then, of course, I'm going, because my sister was a, a divorce lawyer in New York, and I know they have, like, what is it called? It's equitable division state, which means that it's when you split, you get um, rights to the your partner's earning potential. Yeah. So I was mm-hmm. like, was she college educated? Like, can't, did she stop working when Owen was born and is... She really entitled to all of that? Or does she have to go back to work? I just found myself She going doesn't down.
3: know any of that. No, she
2: doesn't even know where to start. She doesn't even know the code to her own
4: phone. <laughs> no, it's O-W-E-N. <laughs> New York State law doesn't care about that.
3: Yeah. Well, she keeps pressing the zero. She keeps forgetting that it's the letter O. I mean, it's just a problem with her. That's
4: right. That's right. So the mom shaming is so funny because... Olivia has always historically been a mom shamer. Of course, uh, Stabler was like the ultimate like mm-hmm. parent shamer. Every time he'd be like, well, my kids, blah, blah, blah.
3: Yeah, my sperm works. Meanwhile,
4: Livy has been a mom for like five fucking minutes. And she's dropping her kid off at daycare for the very first time, but she knows. Everything. Always.
3: She she knows what a mother won't (laughs) do.
4: Yes, and that was weird. That was like a weird turn because it seemed like the whole time she was like shaming her and thinking like she was terrible and are you really fit to have this kid? And then she's like, but a mother wouldn't do that. And I'm like, no, that's also sexist. It is also sexist to say a mother wouldn't do that. Mothers can be psychopaths.
2: Absolutely. We have every right to be psychopaths. I have every right to just not care and have my kid get kidnapped from daycare.
3: (laughs) You know, I feel like that public defender learned an awful lot about Javier's plans in a short time. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's like, what are you thinking? He just like, hold on. And I'll give you the whole. I'll give you the whole rundown. Right. And then, and then I was like, "Well, they'll just like uh, give, uh, you know, they'll look at each other. It's like, yeah, you're gonna make a deal now." And the suspect will like turn to the the lawyer and go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: as if he told <laughs> him everything. Yeah. And
3: Just okay. Go ahead and do it. And now, I'm, now the lawyer is going to tell the whole other story.
4: Right. Right. Isn't that the whole thing? Like you're not supposed to tell your lawyer the details of the crime you committed because then they'll know and they'll want a plausible deniability. Isn't that a thing that you always see on TV too?
3: Uh, I think they usually say, "Tell me everything."
4: Oh, okay, just checking.
3: <laughs> Tell me everything. It's 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 privileged.
4: Oh, okay, just checking. So I guess Javier did. Despite him like being English as a second language, he was able to explain this entire complicated plot to his public defender in four minutes while it's, they were in that room by themselves. It seemed like a really
2: short amount of time. <laughs> There's a lot of flip flopping going on. Because he
4: even explained the turn. He even explained like, I'm gonna say she did it, but it was actually this guy, because like they were never alone for him to change his mind and retell the lawyer that story.
3: Yeah, well I think it, it was it went by quickly, but not as quickly apparently as the discussion that uh, Sam and Javier had off mic when he went in <laughs> to the basement basically said, okay, change your plans. <laughs> we're going to change everything. That's right. Tell her that uh, the Dana did it. Yeah. You and I'm going to take the kid.
4: You know who I feel like we're really giving short, like, shrimp to right now? Fabiana. Yes, yes. You're not sick. I don't know. You want me to say in another language? Sassy ass nanny girlfriend
2: Fabiana. Was she not like so J-Lo awesome on this episode? She was awesome. And in the beginning, because they said the detail that they had, that Dana had cut back her hours. So I thought that's what the whole $37,000 was about. I was like, oh, Javier is kidnapping him because she's pissed that her hours were cut back and they're getting back at Dana. Right. hmm
4: and then Fabiana's like, "I went from making fourteen dollars an hour for one kid, for making from making twenty two for it up for two. And I'm what like, "What a
3: country!" That is
4: good nanny math right there. I
2: really liked that. <laughs> I really liked it. And then also that they Dana was like, "Oh, Fabiana and I are friends, but Fabiana hadn't told her that Mr. Sam was coming over mm. without her knowledge." That's right.
3: They're not good friends.
2: <laughs> well, now we know. <laughs> yes.
3: You can't pay to have a friend. I mean, I guess you can in New York. But,
2: uh... <laughs> I just cut back my nanny's hours, and now I'm terrified.
3: <laughs>
2: I to talk to daycare about this.
3: Does the handyman boyfriend have a van is what you need to
2: know. <laughs> he fixes our sink sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but he's
4: over all the time. Or sometimes. How? Which one is it? Which one is it? And Dana speaks Spanish, we learned. Yes. So many people speak Spanish in this episode. So does Maureen, by the way. Did you understand those parts of the episode? we we'll follow along. Let's see.
2: No
3: Javier
0: yeah. wouldn't kidnap no pasa. So now you speak English.
3: <laughs> ¿Dónde está Javier? ¿Dónde
4: está <laughs> <laughs> Owen? <Listen>. <laughs> <laughs> abra, abra
3: la uh, and then she says, then Olivia says, oh, now you speak English. <laughs> So the, uh, the restaurant confrontation at the end between
4: <laughs> yes. the parents. Oh, I love this scene.
1: Owen needs protection. He's too trusting. You know that.
4: I don't want him growing up in fear. There are different ways of protecting him.
1: That's it. You don't. You're late for pickups. Half the time when I'm over there, you have forgotten to schedule a nanny. Owen is alone by himself in your apartment. Wait, but you're there when I'm not there? Yes, to check on him. I was actually trying to protect him.
4: I find myself every time I watch this episode watching the scene and every time I watch it, I think, is this a nuanced, thoughtfully written, interesting scene in Law & Order SVU? Yes, it is. And I think one of the reasons it's so good is that none of the SVU people are in it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> They're listening in from the van. This is a really yeah. beautifully
4: crafted, well acted scene because I think that um, SVU does this thing with divorce where it's always a bad divorce, and they're always enemies, right? Mm -hmm. And this episode actually shows that relationship much more realistically. He obviously has control issues. She obviously has dependency issues. They still have this very intertwined relationship. They're co-parents. And they clearly still have feelings for each other and, like, want to you know, care for each other and maybe even still love each other and they just have this broken relationship and she doesn't see the benefit in him going
2: to prison because he is her son's father. So I don't know. I thought it was really kind of beautifully done. I also thought it was beautifully done. I mean, I think part of it is that, you know, obviously she's dependent. I think she was a little freaked out about if he does go to jail, what is she going to do? What's going to happen to her yoga classes? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) My favorite part is that she went into the restaurant wearing a wire and then at one point she shows Mr. Sam, her ex-husband, the wire, and you just hear Ice-T say,
3: Did she just show
1: him her wire?
4: That's <laughs> for the benefit of the audience who didn't just see it happen.
3: <laughs> yeah, but also, just the other day, they put a wire on him. Mm. Wouldn't he know that they do this all the time? <laughs> Why is he surprised that she's got a wire? You would think. When she's saying that, The son is the trusting one.
4: Yes. Yeah. You would think. But you now we know where he got it. Isn't that sorta supposed to be like the little irony at the end? That they when I say this is a nuanced and well written episode, they actually don't say that. And in every other episode like this, at the end it would have been like looks like it's dad who's too trusty. <laughs> <laughs> and you're kind of like, the mom's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, At and she's end. not, but she's kind of not. I mean, she is because she doesn't know what to do, but then she's also just really admitting that she's not equipped. She's not equipped,
2: right? Yeah. I did find myself feeling a little bit for Mr. Sam and saying, like, yeah, he has a point. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Owen is too trusting. <laughs> That'll little, learn him. <laughs> what he did to Brody in Homeland, though, that was unforgivable.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess I do have—I have so many questions that remain about this episode. But one that I'm still wrapping my mind around is, you know, he said that they had a deal with Javier that it would be—he was only going to kidnap Owen for, like, two hours. Yeah. But then she lost her phone. They couldn't get in touch. So, I don't understand how you then make the leap to, okay, then I'm going to shackle Owen to a pipe, <laughs> threaten to kill him. Yeah.
3: He's improvising.
2: And then have Dana call him by FaceTime and show the kid and make him, I can understand like teaching him a lesson, but I just feel like, Owen's going to be emotionally scarred for the rest of his life.
4: I think it's a testament to just how fucking annoying Owen must have been. The guy couldn't be alone with him for more than <laughs> half an hour. Like Random of him red to Chief, a post. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. You know, it was intolerable. Apparently.
3: Yeah. And by the way, why if you're like a kidnapper and you want to get away why would you do a video ransom call (laughs) and say hi this is my face
2: are you in a police station where are those file cabinets behind you i did
4: love the scramble they made to the toy section of the like child molester interrogation room (laughs) they have there and it was like quick sit in front of all this neat row of toys that looks like it's in front of some office furniture no one will ever guess that you're not in your apartment which by the way Javier has been to, ostensibly, and she's yeah. messy as hell. You know, she can't <laughs> find her
2: phone. She has shit all over the place. There's no way that those toys are that neat.
3: Now, at the end, Dana actually doesn't want Sam to go to jail. One of the reasons is that she's going to have to get a job for six months, apparently. Yeah. And um, I don't know, like, why can't she just work at that restaurant? There's nobody ever there. It <laughs> does like it'd be a lot of hard work.
2: He already had to let go three people. Didn't you hear Mr. Sam say that?
3: Oh, Farhidi's. My least favorite place to go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and for, for the record, because whenever the little things come uh-huh. up, like the um, address, because I lived in New York for uh, 13 years, I always like Google map it. And mm-hmm. that restaurant, um, which doesn't exist, of course, but was right around the corner from where I used to live in Fort Greene. So it's like around the Clinton Hill area. Tw- this was what? film in 2014, there's no way that place would have existed. It was like crazy gentrification. The rent was through the roof.
4: Right. And you know those hipsters would have loved an authentic Iranian meal if it had existed, yes. right?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they could all come around for like the kidnapping experience. It could have been like a theme restaurant. <laughs> like in order to get your meal, you get shoved into the van and driven around yeah. the block a couple of times That's and jumped right. in the alley. That's
2: right. What's that? Isn't that a movie with um, Michael Douglas where like he, you think that he's kidnapped but at the end, it's just a birthday gift. Do you know which <laughs> movie I'm talking about? It's a birthday gift? I have to find this. <laughs> but it was like the the sort of thing is like they kidnap, they stage a kidnapping, teach him a lesson. For Michael Douglas, I think it was because he was a super rich guy that like, what can you give? He's had every thrill in the world and his friends. Have him professionally kidnapped. Hmm.
3: His friends sound like assholes.
2: You know, they were talking about that doctor was talking about, by the way, was that doctor an
4: actor or a real doctor? Because that uh, was an the actor, stiffest, like little performance I've ever seen. There's like 10 words that she said. I'd like to talk to him first. I understand. Please tread lightly. Okay. But she said he had some trauma, but he didn't. He didn't. Like every time Olivia went to talk to him, like he was fine. He was completely fine.
3: He's fine. And at the end, um, they want to let Owen go home, and Dana's there to pick him up. But they're they're like, hmm.
1: Letting the kid go with her, you think that's a good idea? Hmm. Well, social services is going to check in for whatever that's worth.
0: I think she's pretty shaken up. She'll get her act together. Should we let
3: this boy go home with a mom who is a scatterbrain?
2: God forbid hmm. she loses her phone at <laughs> <Like> yoga. <Yeah. laughs>
3: But they're actually <laughs> contemplating, like maybe she's not fit to be a mother.
2: That's
4: right. So let's send her to the let's send the kid to the system because that would be better. Because those people are definitely better than the nice mom, who maybe sometimes wears pajamas when she walks her kid to school in the morning,
2: and she's bad at paperwork. But you know that's just as bad as like putting cigarette butts out on your kid.
3: <laughs> yeah. 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 But meantime, Noah's been at daycare for three fucking days. <laughs>
2: How do you think Sam and Dana met? Because that's all I could think about.
3: Oh, yeah. That's an excellent question. How did they meet? Yeah. Um, I have my theories. You have your theories? What do you think? Something romantic?
2: I think, because she gave me the vibe of someone who was like a graduate of a liberal arts college. Like Mm. maybe she went to Oberlin or something like that. And she was living in the neighborhood like Clinton Hill or whatever, maybe a decade before and would frequent the restaurant. And she was lonely in the city. And just maybe she wanted to... Work for an NGO and she couldn't get the job and was just like, oh, you know, that she sort of saw him in a really offensive way as like, you know, wouldn't that be like an adventure to be with this older yeah. Iranian man mm-hmm. and they got together. Her and
4: that's exotic like F you to her parents. Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah. I just think she's a gold digger. <laughs>
2: What restaurant is. How did he have that much
4: money? It's always empty. There's never a single person in that restaurant. We never
3: saw a menu. <laughs> we never saw a plate. We just saw him <laughs> sitting at that same booth counting the money.
4: It looks like a meetup point. Like it actually reminded me of scenes in Homeland when like Harry's going to talk to her contact and it's like. Let's meet up in the alley in Lebanon. Like that's what it looked like. It was the most depressing, like bombed-out shell of a restaurant.
3: Like you I've could ever do your Pokemon <laughs> Go there.
2: Yes, exactly. The paint was all chipped. It was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you think they met, Kevin?
3: Um, I think that uh, she went in, she ordered a falafel, and she left her phone behind. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less.
3: All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It is time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know
2: who did
1: it. you don't know who
2: did it. Rip
3: from the
1: Headlines. This episode is inspired by a bizarre fake kidnapping of a six-year-old Missouri boy by his family to teach him a lesson about stranger danger.
2: (laughs) Jesus.
1: The boy's aunt told his mother, Elizabeth Hupp, she thought the boy was being too nice to strangers. The mother enlisted the help of the aunt, the grandmother and the aunt's co-worker to stage an abduction to teach him a lesson. Authorities say the co-worker convinced the boy to get into his truck. He took the child to the basement in Hupp's home where he bound his hands and feet. The boy was told he would never see his mummy again and would be sold into sexual slavery. After four hours, the boy was released and given to his family who lectured him about how much worse it could have been if the kidnapping was real. The six-year-old boy told his teacher what had happened and the whole story lot got arrested. Punishment for the mother, aunt and grandmother ranged from 60 days in jail to five years probation.
3: So does anyone think they went too far? <laughs>
2: And where is he now? (laughs) Yes. I mean. Yes. Because they have. Well, they had the different strokes episode. There was the one where it was Arnold and his friend went to the bike guy, the pedophile. Do you remember? Yes. I remember the pedophile episode. Yeah. Yeah. And they came in and they were like playing Tarzan or something with their shirts off. He was grooming them. And you knew it was like a very special episode of different strokes. And then I think Sam was. There was a kidnapping episode with Sam. The redhead. Yeah. Huh? There's like a whole '80s thing where there was always like Stranger Danger. They were teaching you something.
3: Yeah, and Nancy Reagan came on to say just say no to drugs. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, mom. So the sister says, yeah, your son is just too trusting. Hmm. Um. So why do they have to tie the kid up to scare him?
4: Listen. I hear this whole thing, and I'm. I still feel guilty about the time that I like took the batteries out of one of my kids' like handheld game things, and I was like, "That's what happens when you play too long.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: it just stops working." Like, I'm like, "That was a dick
2: thing to do. That was nothing compared to this. Really, that's not good." Like they said, it was imagine it was better than actually being kidnapped. I think that's questionable i think i'd I'd rather be real kidnapped than be kidnapped (laughs) by my real family
0: (laughs) right
4: honestly yeah because what does that say about your long-term prospects right i mean you have a chance of getting away from that kidnapper and having like a regular life but you don't have that chance when you have these fucked up people as your relatives. Extended family, too.
3: Yeah, and you're hoping to get rescued by them. You don't want to, like, suddenly come up and get lectured Exactly. About, oh, you thought that was bad.
4: This reminds me of those horrible, like, YouTube parents who play those jokes on their kids and then got, like, shut down. Like, this reminds me of this, of that, but so much worse.
3: Yeah, well, couldn't he, the guy just, had, like, used the scary voice? <laughs> like, wouldn't that have been enough to, like, scare him a little yeah. bit? Yeah, Why do you got to, like, tie his hand, like, you know, duct tape him to a post and then say, you're going into sexual slavery. He probably doesn't even know what sexual slavery means.
2: He's like, what's sex? <laughs> it's like,
3: so is, is stranger danger overrated? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Ex- explain why.
4: Because bad things happen sometimes that you have no control over. Like, bad things happen. You really can't control when they happen or when they can't. All of the crazy things that parents do to, quote, protect their kids Most of them are unnecessary, they're nuts, they scare their kids for no reason, they scare their parents for no reason. Because if you look at like real life cases of like real life abductions, Usually they happen to parents who've done everything right uh, with their kids and have the precautions in place. And something really bad just happened to happen. I mean, I don't think this whole thing where you walk around your whole world thinking that there's a scary, creepy guy from different strokes behind the next pole <laughs> is any way to live or to raise your kids.
3: Yeah, but most of the abductions, though, are are, are taken by kids the people that the kids know. Exactly. Stranger abduction is statistically very, very rare.
2: It's often. It's usually like you have to look within the family is the most suspect. Yep. And I actually wrote down for this episode early. I wrote note divorce ex husband. It's underlined always the ex husband. <laughs> <laughs> I knew from the get go that it, it wasn't. Yeah. A In the episode,
3: it was just a whole different way. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this was the aunt's idea. Uh, have your sisters ever given you some really bad parenting <laughs> advice?
2: Yes. I, this is going to make me sound so privileged. When I first had my daughter, so she was maybe five days out of the hospital. Yeah. And I remember just being like, oh, you know, because you're so concerned. I was like, organic, everything. And my- you're a flake. And I'm flake. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, with this, I was like, super intense. Like, I want to have a natural childbirth. Like, all that stuff. Left
3: the baby at yoga class.
2: <laughs> and my sister came over and I'm being to me, she's like, I'll change her diaper. And when I came back, she had all of this, like, white, um, what's it called? The diaper cream just, like, all over my daughter's, like, private parts and butt. And I was like, what did, and she's like, just in case. And I was like, what are you doing? Just in case what? Just in case of what? She shits? I don't know. <laughs> in case you the- want
3: to go down the slide? <laughs>
2: And I know that's a tiny, tiny thing. I know. Flory
4: wants to play Slug this afternoon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Tell us about your sisters. You must have gotten some bad advice at some point.
4: Oof, have I ever? But they listen to this podcast, so I'm not going to share it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's going to do it for us. We're going to thank our guest, Maureen McMurray. Maureen, where can our listeners follow you online?
2: Hmm, you can find me at mo M-O-E underscore McMurray, M-C-M-U-R-R-A-Y, Or better yet, just sign up and subscribe to the new podcast coming out, Bearbrook. Bearbrookpodcast.com.
3: And Rebecca Lavoy. how can our listeners follow you?
2: I'm on Twitter and
4: Instagram at Reb Lavoy,
3: And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn, and you can tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoy. content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn Handles Promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary special thanks to the elite squad of the law and order wiki community for preserving the evidence if you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows go to lawandorderpodcast.com. podcast.com sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next law and order marathon winner these are their stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in bay st louis mississippi studio and is a production of partners in crime media
0: Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.